and welcome to Best Girl Grip, the podcast that celebrates the women behind the scenes of the British film industry. I'm your host, Nicole Davis. Hello, pod pals. Um, I hope you're holding up okay. It's been a very long month, but we're in the final straight and February is in sight. Uh, I've had an absolute belter of a weekend for watching films by women directors uh, that have been on my to-watch list for a while and I finally got around to them. I treated myself to a BFI player subscription and watched Me Without You by Sandra Goldbacher, starring Michelle Williams and Anna Friel, The Headless Woman by Lucretia Martel, Under the Skin by Karen Adler, which has... um, Samantha Morton and I think her first feature performance and Joanna Hogg's Unrelated starring a very young Tom Hiddleston. All of them are around the 90 minute mark um, as well so even more reason to watch. The slow discovery or the eventual discovery is something I'm really enjoying at the moment going through a process of curating things that I watch with a gentle theme running through them uh, just as a way to provide more impetus and Martel's The Headless Woman was particularly chef's kiss. This week's episode is an exciting one for me because I get to speak to a casting director, uh, which is a role I've wanted to explore on the podcast for a while. Carmel Cochran has been a casting director on a swathe of British indie films, including Lilting, The Goob, Bypass, The Leveling, Pincushion, and a wicked upcoming horror film called Saint Maud. She's also cast all of Robert Eggers' films, uh, from The Witch uh, to The Lighthouse to his current Viking revenge project. The Lighthouse is actually out this Friday um, and has such a distinctive look that it really rewards a visit to the cinema. Carmel was also a casting assistant to Nina Gold, who worked on Game of Thrones, The Iron Lady, Attack the Block, and many, 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 many more. Uh, So when you hear us talk about Nina, that is who we mean. Uh, We talk about the types of films Carmel likes to cast, why looking in unexpected places for talent is a priority, working with Robert Eggers, the genius casting in Uncut Gems, and the physical reaction Carmel has when she spots potential. We were in Carmel's office in West London for this recording, so there are occasional background office sounds, but otherwise I hope you enjoy our chat. This is episode 43 of Best Girl Grip. Let's kick off with where you went to university, if you did, and what you studied. So I went to the University of Life. No, I am. Um, I weirdly, or not that weird, I had a um, yeah. scholarship to go and study, and I decided not to do that. What was the scholarship to study? It, so it was this thing called a Helena Kennedy bursary. I think it was to encourage, you know, my parents didn't go to uni, we're not from a super educated uh, background, so it was to um, encourage people to go to uni, and I remember going to look at Cambridge and just feeling like it was Hogwarts, and being like, "No, this isn't for me." And then I got my first job in casting, which I didn't even know what it was, and kind of stayed doing that. And what was that first job in casting? Were you assisting? Yes. So I will give you the short version of it, which was I knew a director and his sister, Belinda Norcliffe, is a wonderful casting director. And he, the director, Tom, had asked me to go and take some pictures of some kids. Effectively, what street casting is, I know what it was. So I went around Shepherd's Bush, where I used to live, and took photos of all these kids, which looking back on it, I'm surprised. I mean, it was so many years ago. So I went up to all these kids and got them to do these little poses of them rapping, but to, to, to get the right photo, I got them to actually rap 
took the photo. I'm super organised, so I got their house phone, you know, their landlines, because nobody had mobiles long ago, it was. Tom had wanted six photos for £50, and I gave him a DVD of about 100 photos, because I thought that £50 was a lot of money back then, and I would do a thorough job, and... um, he said to me, oh, you'd make a really great casting director. I was like, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't know what that is. Mm. And I, I think, I really, yeah, the next day Belinda called me and said, oh, I'm looking for someone. Do you want to come into the office? And I remember <laughs> they gave me something to write. And they were like, oh, you've got nice handwriting. And I called someone on the phone. And they were like, yeah, you can use a phone. You've got the job. <laughs> so it was bizarre. It was my first proper job. And I ended up staying there while I was doing my last year of A-levels. And I would you know, do my morning of A-level law, get on the bus and then go and work in this casting office. And did it quickly become clear to you that that was something that you wanted to continue pursuing? Oh, no, 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 no. I, just no, a part-time I, um, job. I didn't even know what it was. Mm. All I knew was that I got paid cash, sorry, um, <laughs> and could buy Miss 60 jeans at the end of the week. I, I just, I had no, I'm not from a film world. I didn't, I watched films, but it wasn't a passion. I read a lot and was into fashion and those were my two, two things. I guess I really enjoyed music videos as a kid. I, I knew a lot about music videos and directors, and I guess if I had known about careers in media, I probably possibly would have wanted to be a music video director. But at my school, I, that was never talked about, so I didn't even know it was a job either. I think I, the first summer at Belinda's, I definitely had no comprehension of what the job even was. Mm. I just knew that I had to call up agents, change times, rub things out with a rubber <laughs> Yeah, I had no, no clue. And did you stay there after your A-levels? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I got into uni and then I, so I had to go and accept this Helena Kennedy Award, which I had to go and pick up in the Houses of Parliament and it totally freaked wow. me up because I would have had to have done a speech and in order to get out of having to go and pick up this speech, I just said to Belinda, you know, and I was earning cash. So for me, that I kind of thought, well, why am I going to uni to then come out of uni five or, mm. well, I don't know, however many years, to then be doing the exact same thing? that I'm doing now and um, I think I was just purely motivated by cash I thought oh I'll just hang out here for a year save some money and so was it one straight path from that job you kind of then okay so you then you got a casting assistant job or how did it develop so I think I stayed at Belinda's for about three years after that mostly commercials and then um, I got a job offer from another casting director to work on a film and I went and did that and it was a total totally different experience either that I didn't like it necessarily. Um, I just wasn't experienced enough. I was way out of my depth. And I'm the kind of person who, if I don't know something, I learn and I pick up very quickly. But actually, I remember the casting director calling me from New York and asking me to check availability on Eddie Marsan. And I was like, who? How do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> and I just used to drive her mad because I had no comprehension. And, mm. and the rules and etiquettes and what you can and can't say, I've got the biggest mouth. So I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for that at the time. And also, I'm still to this day very honest, so I can't necessarily work in an environment where I'm supposed to keep secrets and not tell the truth. So then I can quit, got fired, depending on whose version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up, I still remember to this day, I was sat at home on my sofa watching Stardust, because at this point I then did get into film. Was that quite an active thing? You were suddenly like, oh gosh, I've got a lot to learn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to watch every film Mm. and every new research. And I remember just sitting at home watching Stardust and then I got a call from Nina. I can't remember, but just asking if I'd come in for a meeting. Yeah, sure. I'm not doing anything else. I'm watching Stardust. 
during the day with a duvet like round round yes I'll come and meet and I just remember meeting her because I think at that point I was like I'm going to go back to uni I'm not I'm not going to do this I'm not made out for this and I remember just meeting her and thinking okay well she seems nice this mm. and did you know who like Nina Goldball was that like a big deal for you no I didn't no. I, didn't, I, I knew of I mean I'd had her name but I, I guess I didn't no I didn't I think that's mm. always been one of my biggest strengths is that I never knew who anyone was so I didn't really care yeah I always approached it with a magnanimous like, oh, yeah. Easier not to get flustered that way, yeah. yeah. And so, what was the experience like working with Nina? Great. I love her children. I loved her. I loved her husband. Yeah, it was... Um, when I started, we were working on different projects to the kind of scale of project that we were working on towards mm. the end. And I have to say that Game of Thrones is not my thing. So there was a big... Um, it, it was a big chunk of time and just mm. it's just not my I've never watched it I, I, it's just not is it me. the scale of the project that you're not no I yeah. just think I'm not into fantasy right I okay that, that there's I, I just remember I could never say any of the characters names I could never I never really got my head around it yeah and because I had really started getting into film I, there was definitely a type of film that I suddenly was really attracted to and mm. that was definitely the indie the whackness 500 Days of Summer, that was, yeah, there was yeah, a big yeah. Martha Mary, May Marlene. I was kind of looking at all those things and thinking, well, that's more me. And do you feel like you have to have a personal attachment to a project to be able to cast it? Or, I, I personally yeah. do. Otherwise, I, I just can't, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I can't get excited about something. I can't sell something. I mm. can't pitch something if it's not something that I would go and watch. I think I worked there from, I was 21 to 20. 25 and I just met my boyfriend and suddenly my life just changed and I just wanted different things I wanted mm. to be at the office at six o'clock and you know go and play crazy golf yeah. with all my friends yeah I was just ready for a change and let's do a deep dive into the casting process yeah. because I think that's something that sometimes personally I don't know much about um so imagine it's the same for people that don't work on it when you're I mean how do you go about getting uh, onboarding projects are you kind of advocating for yourself are people coming to you um I think there's there's different ways and paths for different people I um get sent things I've done a few where I've had to go in for meetings and I'm horrific I mean I, I, I think I'm definite marmite, and I just I say the wrong things in meetings. I turn up late, flustered. I, I mean, I'm crazy, but so I much prefer it when it's just sent with it. Oh, we like her work. Does she want to? Do? I mean, I guess anyone would prefer that. Yeah, that way. yeah. We get some things, and then it's a question of who who do we think it would fit, and whether yeah, whether it's something that I want to do. And like I said, I really do try and only work on things that I feel really passionate about, and 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 things that mm. I would want to go and watch. I think I've done one or two films for the money and I keep telling myself never to do it because it's not conducive to to anything really. And when you come aboard a project, often how many roles are you casting for? I was trying to think about this. It it just depends. I think some films have had two or three. Others, the one we're currently working on, has 46. Wow. Okay. And what what does that depend on? Just, you know, because some people are already attached or... I've, I've never really worked on things where people are already attached. It's starting to happen more and more now, so I'm, I'm finding my feet with that as well. Mm. Most of the time it's beginning to end. And that, and that beginning to end can take five or six years from when you first have the script to getting the right actor at the right time with the right balance it's all it's all a a big um 
a big juggling act. Because you're still waiting, because obviously actors are so crucial to financing. Exactly, so, yeah, yeah often yeah. it's kind and, of your and, role to get that part ch- kind of moving. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, get, and getting all the right pieces. And, mm. you know, sometimes there, there, there's one film in particular that I can think of that I didn't end up casting in the end. And we kept seeing these really great people, but before they became, you know, for, for one film, we tried to get Jennifer Lawrence and it was at a point where we could actively engage with her agent on Mm. a tiny budgeted film but because at that point she didn't necessarily mean anything nobody would take that risk and Mm. obviously now everyone's yeah how how do you work with the director you know because are they sometimes coming to you with ideas of who they want to cast and are you kind of working with them on that or are you saying actually I have a kind of a different idea in mind yeah Yeah, so the way I think working on the types of projects that I work on which are mostly indie art house you know director led it we're very collaborative so I'm friends with I think all of the directors (laughs) that I've worked with and I can't remember an occasion where we're not talking at 11 o'clock at night or whatsapping but it doesn't it's not a an invasion of my personal. It's because I'm excited. You know, I love watch something and then at eleven o'clock call them and say, "What do you think of this person?" Mm. Well, you know, or this has gone wrong. Somebody who we had for some dates can now not do it, so let's fix that. I really enjoy a collaborative relationship. Rather, I think I'd feel a bit weird if the director was never in the room with me or if I had no access. I think that's part of the reason that I tend to stay away from studio films because I just I like that closeness. And have you ever had to fight for someone that a director has thought? Yes. And how did you go about doing that? So, without naming any names, <laughs> we did a TV show and um, one of the parts. So, when I read the script, I said, it has to be this actress. But of course, we'll, we'll, we'll see everyone. Yeah. 100% this is the character. And um, the actress was off doing amazing things but nobody else knew because it was all top secret but you know we all know what they're doing right right right. and so I said to the producers look she's going to be massive she's got this and this coming up Mm. but it's really hard for them for that to mean anything until you know and she was never available to come in and meet because of these things that she was shooting and um, we had offered the part to another actress but it was looking like it wasn't going to work and the actress that we liked, that I liked, that everyone had kind of said no to, had done a self-tape, and her self-tape was terrible. It was <laughs> it was not good. And so I got her back in the room and worked with her. And it, it was fine. All she needed was to come in and, you know, be, be there physically. She's phenomenal. And um, so I said to the producers, oh, that person that, you, you know, he weren't that keen on has done the tape. Here it is. I think this is the answer to all our problems. And um, they still weren't 100% sold. Anyway, we got her back in the room with the director and producer. And I don't want to give the layout, but, but, but basically I was kind of stood there. She, she, she was on tape. Yeah. And I had the producers sat on the sofa where you are. And after she'd done her first tape, I had to turn around and face the wall because I had this massive pressure. <laughs> in my and I thought, just face the wall because there's no way that I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to say, I told you so. Mm. 
and uh, a week later the director made me a I told you so badge just so I could uh, wear it which I've said that I will do at the BAFTAs if it wins and is that one of the most gratifying parts of the job when someone that you kind of spotted potential in then acts on that potential in the film and then and then some and then yeah, goes off yeah, and has I this great so. career I think, I think you're always rooting for someone to do well mm. and um, when they do it's it's just the best feeling how did you go about honing that instinct of saying, yes, I, I see something? I, I haven't got a clue. I, 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 it's, I don't know if you ever get... I, I get a feeling in my fingers. <laughs> Specifically <laughs> in your fingers. I Honestly, I get this tingle. Mm. Or it's either in my fingers or it will start in, in my In stomach. your toes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just know. I, I find it... Um, so... There's another example, and I can name names in this one because I want everyone to know this. So, Michael Ward, who is in Top Boy, I remember his agent, Gavin, sent me a photo of him. So, just on email, I've just signed this book. It was just a photo. And from the photo, and I think I've still got the email thread, I said to him, he is going to be the next big thing. And I remember we cast him in this tiny, tiny part in a documentary that I was doing because that was the only part that we had. And I said, I need to get, I need to be the first one to cast him (laughs) so that when he is, you know, nominated for a BAFTA rising star. (laughs) Yes, he will buy me a drink. (laughs) And it's something that I love about with this. I just, you know, I just saw a photo and you could just tell. I don't know. A lot of the time as well in the work that we do, I'll cast people who are non-actors, who are models or dancers, whatever. Mm. And I guess it's probably slightly annoying for people who have, you know, for actors who really work on their craft, because sometimes none of that matters. It's just something else. Did you have to kind of hone the skill of making actors feel at ease in a room? Like, is that something that you were quite natural at anyway? I think I'm a goof, and I... I'm actually quite shy, so I've got lots of respect for anyone that comes into a room and does what they do, because there's absolutely no way that I could do it, which is why I'm really awful in meetings when I'm having to pitch. I'd like to think that I make people relax, but then sometimes I imagine that I can be distracting, because I go the other way and start talking about whatever random. I'm quite random. And there is a method to my madness, because I like to be... I like to detract from whatever's about to happen, so I will purposely talk about... A dog, or mostly it's shoes. I'm not going to lie, male <laughs> or female. There can be some shoe appreciation. I just like everyone to feel relaxed. In a, it's such a contrived, weird setup. You're never going to be on set sat in a you know awful broken IKEA chairs against a weird grey background. So I feel like it's a really weird thing to do, and I'm sure it's embarrassing and humiliating. And you give as an actor everything, and then leave with not much inclination as to how it's you know I think it's difficult I like to think I can read people quite well so if they're nervous but then I have had it the other way where you do get weird energies come into a room and as much as you try and relax it's it's just awkward are there any other skills that you think make you personally a good casting director or you think make someone a good casting director? I would like to think I'm very organised. The girls in the office would probably totally disagree. But, you know, again, there's a method to my madness. Empathy and understanding is a good thing. I'd like to think that, that, I, that I've got good skills. I think as well, just being quite patient. And I'm not an actor. I can't actually save my life. Like, I really, really can't. I can't even read on cue, so I think just an appreciation for what other people are doing. I'm genuinely quite happy, so I think that's a good, you know, a good skill. 
And do you often like watch stuff and you like keep an eye on people? Like, how are you? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Like, I drive my boyfriend absolutely insane because I watch things on our TV projector thingy and I will be sat there with my laptop. And usually, actually, I've got my laptop and my phone because I'm, I'm IMDb. Triple screening. <laughs> I'm IMDbing on my laptop and then I'm like just Googling on my mm. phone and it drives him absolutely insane because I, I can't just watch a film for enjoyment. Yeah. There's always this back process. So if I want to kind of zone out, I'll watch the Kardashians or just some real trash TV. Like my sister got me into Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and let's kind of switch back uh, to, so when you left Nina Gold, mm-hmm. was that to set up your own business or you there was an interim period? Well, I mean, I think I always knew that this is what I was going to... I, d- I don't think I ever thought that I was going to do film. I left... And was like, I just want to make money. I'm going to do commercials. Though I also wanted to go on Bake Off. <laughs> As a baker? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And I wanted to go to Mexico, um, but I had no money. So, and I think I missed the application for Bake Off. I mean, I really did. Print you, you, off still, the you still could. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, I really did print off the application to go on Bake Off. I think I was just struggling mm. at that point. And then the reality was. I think once you've worked with Nina or, you know, any of those, where do you go? I I don't think I could have gone and sat in another office and been an assistant. I've always been the person, the kind of person since I was nine. I knew that I would have my own business. I never knew doing what, Mm. but I always knew that I, you know, I'm the kind of person you give me something to do and I automatically promote myself to way beyond, yeah. I think I just had a fake confidence as well that was just... I remember thinking, okay, well, I need X amount a month to pay my bills. So if this whole casting thing doesn't work out, I'll go and work in a shop. Um, and I'd always worked in retail whilst I was first as an assistant because I just needed the money and the stability. And I was really good at that. So I was really good at selling clothes mm. to really rich people. So I, I knew that if it didn't work out, I could go and work in a shop and reevaluate. But looking back on it, I was absolutely insane. I was 25. It was the recession. I made a website myself on, I think it might have been iMovie, or before most people had a, a website. Right. Um, in 24 hours, registered on Companies House. You know, yeah. I just did all these really yeah. bold, wild things without really thinking. Sometimes that's the best way, isn't it? Because like, if you stop and really think about it, you'll well, talk yourself out of it. Well, I friends at the time and saying, oh, I think I'm going to do this. And they were like, no, you're crazy. You're earning like, good money. Mm. I was like, no, but I just, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And not one person thought it was a good idea. It's with that. I went to this, like, careers thing yesterday, and one of the speakers was like, the one piece of advice I would give is to, like, reverse psychology yourself. Yeah. So, like, ask yourself what's the one thing you shouldn't do and do it. I mean, that's, and I was like, that's, that's exactly that. Yeah, that's 100% the kind of thing that I, I have done. And still do. <laughs> yeah. And was it quite hard making the transition from casting assistant to casting director and having people kind of trust you with that? Like, talk me through that no, process. No, I so I think whilst I was at Nina's, I did a lot of commercials. And so when I left, a lot of those commercials just came looking for me. And, and I don't know, I, I still have imposter syndrome, I really do. And I think I for sure probably did not know what I was doing, but felt like I did. And I, but yeah, I, at that point, so what, I was 25, I started casting when I was 17, 18. So I'd been doing it for mm. a sizable chunk of time to have a sense of, I'm okay, I'll be fine. And was the element of running your own business quite scary or, you know, could you, could you no. handle that? Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't. 
I did business A level. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't find it scary. I just liked the autonomy. I liked not having to wake up every day. So initially, the first kind of three or four months, I was doing maybe one or two commercials a week. So I, I, I really didn't work that often. <laughs> no, it's only now that I look back and I'm just like, what were you thinking? And at what point did you make the transition from commercials to more perhaps regular film work? And why was that something that you were initially perhaps resistant to? Last week. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so, a lot of the commercials directors that I kind of was kicking around with then started to make their first short films, which then led on to films. Um, the first film that I did was a film called Lilting, and that was... Uh, so I've got this friend called Afo, who is, like, the people magician. He puts the right people in the right place at the right time. And this film, Lilting, they had another casting director who then became too busy, so Afo said to Dominic, oh, there's this girl, Carmel, you know how you've met her. I remember doing the interview with them and not remembering the characters' names. I, I told you I'm terrible, I couldn't remember the characters' names. And I left thinking, oh well, there goes my film career. And then they offered me the job and it it was good, It was the, that was the start. And that's how I got The Witch, which right. I yeah. was speaking to Robert about the other day, we worked out our, our um, loose connection how that happened and yeah I've always tried to even though I'm now working on film we still we do tv I just don't want to pigeonhole myself into Mm. if I was just doing film I'd get bored if I was just doing tv I'd get bored if I was just doing commercials I'd be rich but would probably not be creatively satisfied I just like to do a lot of different things what are some of the nuances between casting for those different mediums that people might not be aware of so I think with commercials you see a lot of people but then what's great is that I I have not a photographic memory but I have a very very good memory so you know the other day we were doing a Mercedes commercial we probably saw 100 people for three or four roles and in sitting in the audition I'll think oh well yeah she's she's really interesting I must remember her for my next film or whatever it is that we're doing and in the end of the fucking world a lot of the the day players are people who I've auditioned for commercials for years so it's just changing the changing the kind of um the idea that if you're a commercials actor you're just a commercials actor if you're a tv actor you're just a tv actor I just yeah yeah mix and match everyone can do anything well that change has sort of happened over the last decade I'd say because I definitely grew up at a point where it felt like TV actors were TV actors yeah. and you know, yeah. that crossover. And now, obviously, it's just blended. To, and I think you know. it's great. I think there are so many different mediums. And so for the Mercedes commercial, we ended up casting two actors that I've seen for TV and film stuff mm. because they were right. And it's a different process. So it's mixing that and me trying to convince the commercials agency that, no, these actors won't audition, but they'll be great. Yeah. I just want to give people jobs. <laughs> I don't care how... Is that the hardest part of the job, saying no to people or having to give people bad news? No. I think for a long time people didn't get any news at all, so I'd rather give them, sorry it hasn't worked out this Mm. time, but we really do think of you for other things. And you really do. There have been so many times where, so I'm just trying to think of something where it's been put into practice. Okay, so Anya Taylor-Joy, who we cast in The Witch, came really close to doing a film that I did called The Goob, and didn't get it Mm. and so as soon as I got the script for The Witch she was first in my mind and she came in on day one I mean it took us six months to cast because we saw everyone else but a no is is a no for the moment but not a no forever I don't 
I don't know, feel bad about it. Because <laughs> I, I hopefully would give someone a job yeah. doing something else. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. kind of like, well, you're not right for this one. And in a way, yeah, it, it would be bad for everyone if we were to cast you just, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and coming back to working with yeah Robert on The Witch and yeah. The Lighthouse yeah. and you're working on a project together at the moment yes. what is it that you particularly enjoy about casting his films oh I love him honestly it, it's it's a joy it's he's he knows everything about actors everything and and he knows everything about everything he, his historical knowledge is on point his everything he does is true to form authentic and he's got such a strong visual style and knowledge that it is just it's just fun I can't think you know he's generous with actors in the room he it's just a really fun process and even though you know I keep thinking that I'm gonna get fired (laughs) because I guess he's now I kind of it was fun and fine when we were doing the witch I felt like we were on the same level and now every time I see his name pop up I'm like he's gonna tell me that they're firing me and they're hiring you know some swanky LA (laughs) casting director but no it's 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 really fun and just I love the fact that he has kept us all together you know it, it really is mm. pretty much the same team and what's casting the lighthouse like because it was three <laughs> is it three roles I mean I was on holiday at the time I was also very heavily pregnant did he have Willem and Robert in mind was that always the kind of so duo we'd, we'd set up meetings with Robert and Willem on another project that didn't end up happening that was more of like a big ball studio mm. film um, and I think both of us got a bit jaded, you know. It wasn't the the most fun experience, but he met all these other actors, and so when it came to um, the lighthouse, we just we, he he met them and mm. so knew that he wanted to work with them. I think we cast it in four days. And do you prefer the kind of quicker process where it's sort of you, the people that you have in mind work out or sometimes it's almost that's like the first time that's ever happened oh, okay so. is it sometimes more gratifying though when you're sort of you really do that search for a long time and then you finally find like well, the did, perfect dress i did think so bafta have obviously made this category for casting mm. and i did think god if i get nominated that's going to be really embarrassing because it really wasn't an uh, arduous task i don't really care what the process is as long as it feels right so with Willem and, and Rob Pattinson, we didn't feel like we were compromising at all, or like there was anyone better. There really, really was. We've got the best possible people. And you mentioned there that, um, yeah, castings now, I think BAFTA and BIFA both bought in the kind yeah. of award this year, yeah. and um, the National Film and Television School are now doing a course for it. Has that affected your work at all? Like, I don't know, there's more recognition, or you're, you I have think, greater weight in the industry. Uh, yeah, and I think that the, the course at the NFTS is going to be great because it will allow an accessibility to people, perhaps like me, who, you know, I know I sound posh, but it's misleading. Uh, that's a whole other story. Um, who perhaps don't know that it's a job and don't come at it from a normal acting background. And so much of our industry is so kind of full of nepotism, which isn't, you know, whatever, that that's its own thing. But it would be nice to give someone a job, give someone a job, and, and give other people pathways into it that aren't all from the same mm. background and demographic and it can only be a good thing. And I think that having an award will probably help validate it as a career. Although my mum still, you know, wants me to be a lawyer, it's fine. <laughs> I just yeah. 
I think anything to give credence to what we do day in and day and it is hard work and there are lots of other really 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 good cast you know Shaheen Beg, Des Hamilton who really have kind of pioneered they do these really exhausted Amy Hubbard who do, who do these kind of mammoth kid searches and things that you, you, you do not appreciate or understand how much time and effort goes into that it's not as if we're all millionaires or sitting on golden toilets <laughs> are you quite conscientious as well about looking in other places for actors you yeah. know yeah yeah that kind of that's a priority for you a hundred percent I just I just think that not everyone knows about drama schools not everyone knows that not everyone knows that they can even act we put things up on Instagram we go out to schools we just every nook and cranny until you find what you're looking for and if you watch something an example of something that I think was remarkably cast is Uncut Gems and I saw on Twitter a screenshot from one of the Zappi brothers who'd cast, you know, the guy, oh, no spoilers, but had cast one of the guys at a craps table the night before the shoot. Is it the guy at the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you yeah. Think, he looks like someone that couldn't yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. That, Well, that couldn't have been anyone else. Mm. Um, That's every, uh, yeah, every actor in that, yeah. you're like, that couldn't have been yeah. played by anyone Idina else. Menzel, like, not singing, it's like, remarkable. Yeah. I think it was genius. So, you know, and something that I think I read that that script had been floating around for 10 years so you know that you know I think a lot of the time you go and watch something and you don't realize that it's had various incarnations over the years and the amount of effort and blood sweat and tears it takes until you see it do you have like any other like casting directors that you go to for like advice or like look to for inspiration like I probably just named Shaheen I love Des I love Amy Hubbard Dan Hubbard I think what's nice is that there are I think there are a few of us who, or maybe everyone, I don't know. Those are just the ones that we make contact with and chinwag, you know, we'll, if, yeah, I don't know, if I'm having a bad day, I 100% would pick up the phone and say, oh, I'm finding this really hard. And I think that's nice. What is it you find hard about the job? Just the frustrations if you, if, you're tr- if you just can't find people, or sometimes it's producers, sometimes it's agents, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of issues and, and uh, sometimes their issues can become your issues and you're just trying to do the best job and someone's still at you. And it's just knowing, I like to pick up the phone and say, oh, you know, did you have this experience? And they're like, yeah. Okay, okay, well, fine. I can stomach it for another six weeks until I'm done. And have you had any casting highlights? No, it's so many, like, Jessica Barton and Alex Orpher in the end of the fucking world. We, ca- we cast that as a pilot six years before what everyone saw. Yeah, because it was Craig Roberts yeah. that was initially Yeah, yeah. and then he couldn't do it right. because he then signed up to an Amazon show, which meant, mm. you know, Amazon and Netflix have got their weird things. Mm. I don't want to say in everything I do, but yeah, everything. I'm normally really happy. Uh, and I like discovering new people. I'd much rather do a film where we're breaking through with new faces that you haven't seen or perhaps it's people that you do know but doing something that you totally do not expect from them on that note i'm really excited for saint maud because i feel (laughs) like morford is a name that is sort of people are gonna you know maybe recognize her from somewhere but suddenly her name is going to be hopefully household so morford and and it ties back this is another saint morford came in for the witch and she was really really close she didn't get it and when saint maud came i was like oh so again, you know, that why I, I don't necessarily always feel bad about saying no. And so Morfid came in and taped and she was great. 
you kind of leave a project as soon as it goes into production it's kind of like it's cast and then yeah. the next time you see it is when it's on the screen pretty much is um, that quite a weird like because yeah. you're suddenly like oh wow well, there's like, people in these roles that I'd cast them for but yeah and you can't remember yeah. I, I've got really bad um, short term memory because uh, I've got concussion that's again another story oh, wow. <laughs> and so there's yeah there are, there are times when I'm watching something and I'm like oh yeah this is. I, I tell the best part is when you're watching something and I can give all the lines because we've done that audition scene so many times that I just find hilarious. And again, I drive everyone in the office mad because we'll be a screener and I'll just be talking the way through it, showing off that I remember the lines even though I can't act. <laughs> um, and speaking of bad short-term memory, you actually cast a, a short film called Goldfish, which yeah. is up for the BAFTAs. <laughs> um, and I'm actually interested in that because it, I th- it, was, it was a documentary before it became a short film. Is that... Or it's like based, it's based on a true story? Based on a true story. Right, right. And so, someone that Hector knew. Right. And so I'm, were you kind of casting, again, non-actors, like looking for people from that no, kind of area? It was, it, was the, it was the kid mostly that we did. And yeah, we, we did a big search and again tried to find non-actor, non-actors mm. to be in that. Do you feel a different kind of responsibility when you're casting non-actors in that you're perhaps shepherding them into something that they maybe don't know what they're getting into? A hundred percent. And I think that the difference is, is that, you know, when an actor comes in for it, it's because they want to, hopefully, most of the time. Whereas when you approach a non-actor, you know, sometimes it really is us finding them on the street and sticking a camera in their face. And I think that a lot of the time, you know, we shot a film called The Goob and Liam was great for the the film and Harvey Scrimshaw who was in um, The Witch was great for the film but then had no interest in acting after that and I remember with Harvey all, all the American agents would call and say you know we want to meet him and he I, I think he just went off to play football and off that you know and you do have a responsibility because off the back of it I know especially with some of the commercial stuff that we do off the back of it they then think that they can act and, and uh, I'm sure they could but do they want to then throw themselves into an audition process every single time you do have a responsibility and I think that it's hard to put people in this in this world in this environment and then go okay there you go you're done now or, or you know especially if things get nominated for BAFTAs and mm. they get to go to the awards and then you know they might get interviews and press and then suddenly it's like okay that that, that was it yeah it's quite a difficult yeah drop back down yeah. to reality and in between being a mother and running a business and it sounding like quite an all-consuming job, like yeah. it's, it might be hard to switch off, how do you kind of find time for yourself? I don't. I do weird things. Like tomorrow I'm going to do a cookery course at Leeds. I just, I love, I read a lot. Mm. So I, I'd say I read for about half an hour every evening, whatever time. So that's non-script. And finally, is there a film that you've seen recently by a woman director that you think is an undervalued gem? Yeah, Lynn Ramsey, you were never really here. The Young Girl and that as well. Yeah. It's in the, that's a really great yeah, yeah. casting shout as well. Yeah. Is there a film actually that you've seen recently that you thought, I wish I'd cast that? I mean, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Parasite? Yes. Uh, Uncut Gems, for sure. Jojo Rabbit, but... Not that I would have done anything differently. I think Des did a remarkable job, but I loved, yeah. Mm. I would have loved to have had my name and not Des's name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your work and just stick my name on the end of it. Um, what else? Loads, constantly. A lot of stuff that Carmen Cuba does. The film with Rihanna, I can't, Guava Island. Yes, yeah. I thought it was. Films where I think that they've mixed solid actors with perhaps 
unknown. I would say like the cast of Euphoria, which is TV, but I thought that was great. Loads of stuff. I get casting in people the time. Carmel, thank you so much. <laughs> this has been great. <laughs>